This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. for Holy Communion, and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Enjoy the sermon. In the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let us draw near to God here. This is the answer of the priest to King Saul's strong urging that the people continue the pursuit of the Philistine army throughout the night into the morning. As we read in our lesson today, Israel had the Philistines on the run. And the battle continued. On first glance, this does not seem much of a suggestion. Yet seeing as we will in our meditations upon this lesson today from 1 Samuel, King Saul drove Israel on through a spirit of vengeance. Lacking love, lacking concern for his own people. The priest called for Israel to stop, to rest, to worship. On this Sunday where we profess the faith as contained in the Athanasian Creed, it's easy to hone in only upon holding on to a correct faith and doctrine and nothing else. While this is important and critical, it means nothing for us as Christians if such faith is held without the love of Jesus Christ. Yes, We can believe and do the right things, but if such are done without love, as Paul notes in 1 Corinthians 13, they are nothing worth. And as John warns us, or warned the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, they are nothing worth. Also, if we begin to do the right things in our estimation in a spirit of sinful vengeance toward those that are ungodly, heretical, or apostate. We also ignore the warning from Christ himself that vengeance is of the Lord. This morning, let us meditate upon our lesson in 1 Samuel 14, coupled with our call to a right faith in the love of Christ alone. The first part of our reading begins with the following in verse 24. And the men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day, so Saul had laid an oath on the people, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged upon my enemies. Here we read that Saul sought an unloving method in an attempt to do the right thing, to vanquish the Philistines. God's ongoing command, after all, to Israel since they had entered the promised land centuries earlier under Joshua was to clear the land of all ungodliness. The Philistines here were one of those peoples that remained in the land, a remnant of ungodliness. Here, with their bitter enemies on the run, King Saul sought to clear them out finally, yet with a spirit of vengeance. When we seek to do the right thing through sinful means, it will not go as planned. King Saul needed to go about this 
rather in a obedience to God, through a love of God, through a love for his people. His vengeance caused him to seek the, the destruction of the Philistines by his methods over God's methods. His vengeance caused him to enact ungodly threats against his own people. We must exercise caution in the daily walk of faith we all take in Jesus Christ. Contending for the faith once delivered to the saints is something that must be graceful with the love of Christ, not out of a sinful vengeance. As Peter aptly reminds us in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. With King Saul, the context of this vengeance over obedience was losing the throne for his children in the previous chapter through offering an unauthorized sacrifice through being impatient and not waiting upon the prophet Samuel. We need, as well as the people of God, to proceed cautiously in the midst of dealing with the aftermath of our own sins and mistakes when trying to deal with subsequent problems. Sometimes the anger Saul had over losing the throne for his heirs can lead to more sin such as we read about today with his longing for vengeance and to go about this path through punishing his own people. One can see such in many aspects of our own lives. When dealing with our own sin, we need to give ourselves the proper time to repent, to stop, to reflect, and to wait on God. Sometimes stopping is the needed ingredient to make sure we do not cause further damage. Yet, as we read today with Saul, he did not get this. And he caused others to sin, as we read in our passage. After giving this horrible pronouncement, Jonathan, his son, the one that was responsible for this victory, broke his father's decree unknowingly by eating honey off the ground. And all around him, as we read, the men of Israel were worn out. They were tired. They were hungry from fighting all day. As we read, the fellow soldiers, when they saw the son of the king breaking his father's declaration, noting what he was doing, Jonathan said the following in verse 29 and 30. My father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found. For now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. Through his blindness caused by his vengeance, King Saul did not see the defeat of the Philistines come to full completion. When in the midst of battle, soldiers need more food, more water than in normal modes of life. For Saul to give this order, he hampered his army to the point they could not defeat the Philistines as they should have. The need to stop, the need to rest in the refreshment that is offered in Jesus Christ alone through his worship, through his word, through his sacraments are essential for us as Christians. 
when we refuse to stop to worship God consistently. It's akin to refusing to seek nourishment for our bodies as we go about the daily activities of life. In time, the longer we go with rest and nourishment for our physical bodies, the weaker we become and the less able we, are able, we can do the daily tasks in front of us. In time, the longer we go without refreshment in Christ through tangible connection to his church, the more vulnerable we all become to attacks from the enemies of the cross. When the evening came in our lesson and the prohibition to eat was lifted, we read that the men of Israel did not take the proper time needed to prepare the, the meat that they had seized, and therefore they ate with the blood, they ate the meat with the blood, sinning against God. When Saul was notified about this, he called for the people to eat the meat properly. He built an altar to God. In his seeking of vengeance, it ultimately caused the people that he was responsible for under God to sin against God. In their hunger, they tossed out all restraint. When we seek to do the right thing sinfully, it always goes sideways. The second part of our lesson deals with the aftermath of Saul's rash prohibition. With his son Jonathan off to fight on his own, as we read about earlier last week, and not present for his statement against this eating, it placed his son, his own son, under his curse. From this point, we read of Saul dealing with the sin spoken of in the last section. It was ascertained after a while that the guilty party was the king's own son. Jonathan states the following in verse 43. Here I am. I will die. Next, as we read, Saul states that indeed his son shall surely die. In verse 45, we read of Israel interceding for Jonathan. Something his own father was unwilling to do. Saul's lack of love for even his son is replaced with the love of the nation for his son. As we read in verse 45, Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan so that he did not die. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, about love overcoming a multitude of sins comes to mind here. While Saul in this passage made sinful mistake after sinful mistake, seeking vengeance, his own son, his own son was willing to sacrifice himself, and the whole nation interceded to save him from a father that will become increasingly tyrannical as we continue to read 1 Samuel. The counsel of the priest in this section to draw near to God here is appropriate in all our situations. See, we live in a time where conflict of all sorts without love is becoming the norm. Whether it is in our politics or within the church even, a lack of love is increasingly evident. 
No, I'm not speaking of giving up the basics of the faith. I'm speaking of remaining steadfast in the faith through Christian love, gentleness, and respect. Yet how do we remain faithful while loving? The answer, I believe, is in godly worship. Proper worship is explained simply in our psalm today, Psalm 150. Worship is the answer of the people to the love of God through active participation by presence, by engagement. Worship is a proper answer to God's love for all of us. Proper worship fosters a love within us for each other, for God. Love is cultivated when we gather together as we gather this morning to praise him in his sanctuary as we read in verse 1. A mark of true Christian love is to gather, not scorning each other through staying apart. Faithful adherence to what is taught in his word is through expressing such in our praise, in our worship, as we read in verse 2 of the psalm. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Doing such through love enables us to conduct ourselves out of joy, through praising God alone for everything he has done for us, as we read in Psalm 150. When we emphasize sound doctrine and faith and forget our first love, no longer loving God and our neighbors, we do the right things wrong, just as Saul. The call upon every Christian is to know God's word what is correct to believe about God, all the while knowing that he first loved us, enabling us to love. If you love me, keep my commandments is not just about being able to profess the right things or to do the right things. It is to be able to profess the right things through obedience, out of a love for God, and to love one another. Sound doctrine cannot be divorced from Christian love. The result will be a soul-like existence. Love cannot be divorced from sound doctrine. The result will be a soul-like existence. May we know God's word and how we ought to believe through worship. May we know God's love and how we ought to love through his worship. Let us draw near to God here. Amen.